Praise the Lord. Okay, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. And before we get started there, I do want to just bring up a couple of things about what we're going to study today. And the question that we can ask ourselves today is, uh, what are we doing to spiritually safeguard our faith, our families, our marriages perhaps, um, our households, maybe even unbelievers? What are we doing to safeguard people, to maybe uh, express who we are and share that we are believers? What are we doing to establish our households? You know, that we're going to look at Proverbs 24. We're going to get a handful of, of verses from there. And I think uh, they're life-changing. The Proverbs are life-changing. And, of course, we're looking at wisdom. And we need wisdom to get through this, this world, to get through these days, this time. And Proverbs 24 has an incredible list of, of sayings, of spiritual safeguards, if you will. It's an it's incredible list. If you look at it, you have a couple of, ver- a couple of verses at a time with words of, of wise sayings, one after the other, one after the other, that we should meditate on, that we should uh, own, that we should grasp. You know, around us in the world, we have lots of sayings. There's a lot of witty sayings, a lot of great things that we can grasp uh, truth from. They're not complete and concise, but there are some like this. There are, if you, perhaps you've heard them, uh, haste makes waste. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Or the early bird gets the worm, right? Look before you leap. A lot of these sayings make sense. And they would cause us to think and maybe even put in our hearts and think, you know, I need to remember these. Uh, You've heard like mother, like daughter. Or nothing ventured, nothing gained. So we hear these kind of phrases, these sayings, and they make a lot of sense. They cause us to think. They cause us to reevaluate, perhaps, decisions that we're going to make, things that we're encountering in life. And you know what? The older we get, the more we begin to appreciate words of wisdom. More we, uh, I guess we tend to, as we age, appreciate more what grandpa used to say or what your grandmother used to say. You know, my dad used to say this or my mom. My mom used to say this. And as we get older, we appreciate them. You know, I don't think you'll find in high school many teens in a conversation with their buddies turning around and saying, well, you know, my mom says, because you'll probably be looked at kind of weird if you're with the guys, right? But if you do, praise the Lord, because mothers have a lot of wisdom, fathers, uncles, your friends. But it's not really common among the teens. But you know what? There's a lot of wisdom to be had. And I want to look at some of these, um, these verses here in Proverbs 24. And we will begin, and I forgot my, I forgot my water up there. Someone will bring it to me, please. Appreciate that. Thank you. And as we get started, Carol's deciding, who should I send? Because I don't want to walk up there. <laughs> Hand it to a gentleman, and, and there you go. Thank you. Okay, so praise the Lord. Proverbs 24, incredible life verses here. Okay, so let's begin. Proverbs 24, beginning with verse 1, it says, Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their minds devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. Now, when we look at this first saying, uh, you know, don't be envious of evil men. Well, I'm not envious of evil men, but maybe we are in some areas of our life. There can be. It can be easily done. It can be actually... Unfortunately, easily done. I mean, you think about what is it that we would envy from unbelievers? 
What would we envy? Well, perhaps, what about, hey, I'd love to date some unbelieving girl. That guy is really cute. He's not a believer, but I'd love to date him. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. There's a lot of things that we might envy of, of, the, uh, of evil men. Partying, just doing wrong things, going to wrong places. And we need to guard ourselves from falling into the mindset of looking at the world and desiring it or being lured back to it. Or if you're not with the Lord, remaining in the world and being satisfied. Do not be envious. That word envious is kana, and it means to envy. A jealous anger, and we'll talk about that later, but to have a jealous anger of the world. And that can take place, depending on where your heart is, where your mind is allowed to go. Think of this, Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 1, 1 says this. I believe the verses will be on the, on the, on the wall for you. Psalm 1, 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That's number one. Psalm 1, that's a foundational uh, psalm for us to avoid, not to walk in the counsel, sit, stand in the path of sinners and what have you. Look at Psalm 1, 1 in the New Living Translation. It, this part jumps off the page to me. Oh, the joys. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. If you have got caught up in taking advice from people who, uh, advice from the wicked, you know the trouble he got you into. You know the path it led you. But when you've avoided it or you know someone who has avoided it or you, you see it coming and you walk the other way, you know Oh, the joys you have because you avoided a train wreck by not taking counsel from, from the wicked. So we look at this first saying, don't be envious of, of evil men. Don't look at the world for happiness. Don't look back at the things that we came from uh, for happiness. You know, we can look at the, the, as the Israelites were brought out of, of Egypt, and we can go there, and that's not in my notes, but how they were looking back for the food they had, the, the, the things that they had, and they were willing to put themselves back into bondage, and that, what we need to avoid, our hearts going in that direction. We need to guard our walks. We need to sincerely guard our walks in this area, and there's great wisdom in this first uh, two verses. We need to avoid taking on those worldly habits that, or practicing those worldly habits that we had, that mindset that we used to have. You know, you have, if you have a, a household, a family, uh, you're going to find yourself warning your, maybe your friends, your children, to avoid uh, to being envious with uh, evil men or to avoid hanging out with evil uh, men or people. You know, I think about uh, earlier, a brother mentioned uh, Psalm 73, and in, we, in Psalm 73, we see Asaph speaking of being envious of, of, the, of, the, of the world, of the lost, and, and when he saw their prosperity. So he saw something that caught his attention, that we can see things in the world that will catch our hearts, and we have to guard ourselves from that. You know, when Johnny was, my son Johnny was a little guy, um, I used to tell him, you know, avoid troublemakers. Avoid the kids that are messing around and doing the wrong things. Uh, I, I would always use throwing rocks because you know what? For little boys, throwing rocks is fun, right? Right, especially when you can hit something. So I would tell them, you know what? If you're hanging out with the guys and, and the boys and they start throwing rocks, for example, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't 
engage yourself in throwing rocks. In fact, if you want, if you, you know, it's up to you. Maybe tell them to stop. Warn them. Say, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. But if you're not comfortable with that, get away from them. Walk away. And, and, and so you're not involved in, in, you get caught up in the things that you shouldn't be. Psalm 37, verse 1 and 2 says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they wither. And so, you know, as a kid, a kid can grasp that, wow, I shouldn't have been there and I got in trouble. And then chalk that up as wisdom and avoid doing certain things that you don't get caught up in. But how is it that we envy the world? I mean, the, the wicked. Look at this. Proverbs 24, 19 and this is interesting. Proverbs 24, 19, and this would be jumping way ahead. Uh, it says, do not get upset because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for there will be no future for the evil person. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. That is a powerful verse. And I had to jump up overhead because it speaks to verse 1 and 2. Upset, that word kara means to be angered or become angry. Do not become angry because of evildoers. Don't be envious. There's that word kana again, of having a jealous anger. Or this part is, don't be envious of the wicked. And that word wicked is rasha. And it describes this person as a guilty one, a criminal, guilty of crime. How many of us want to be envious of someone who is a criminal or is guilty of a crime? You know, when we think of someone who is guilty of a crime, who is, who is being punished or what have you, that's the last thing we want. And when we see people engaging in sin, when we see the sin, that's the last thing we want tagged onto ourselves. And we should be likewise. You know, you look in the news and you see people that have committed a crime. Maybe sometimes they're young kids, teenagers, and they blew it and they did something horrible. And you think about their life, they just ruined their life. In a big way, their life has changed. How can we envy the wicked? How is it that we envy? Because it's subtle. Because there's things in our hearts, in the flesh, that we perhaps struggle with, battle with, that are tempting. And when we see the world engaging in it, we become somewhat of a jealousy in there. And we have to guard ourselves from these things. Let's look at the next uh, verse here. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, and this one teaches us to, verse 3, to build on wisdom. To build on wisdom. How so? It says in verse 3, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. So right there, wisdom that's, uh, is how a house is built. And by understanding it is established, that's powerful. For many of us, some of us will look at, what do you mean a house? My household, uh, literally a house, it does mean building a house, like a structure, or you're, you're, you're a family unit, your household. But we look at this verse and we realize, what am I building? Well, I'm a single guy. Well, then you're building your faith. You're building your walk. And when we look at this verse, this word wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is what? The practical application of knowledge. So I know something. I know better. So I'm going to apply wisdom to this. So when I've learned something in life, right or wrong, whatever, however I learned it, mistakes, whatever, and then it's how I apply it. That's the advantage of having wisdom, having experience, and doing the right thing with what you know. Think about this, and what has life taught us? When you think about the things you've done, maybe the mistakes you've made, or the ones you've avoided, did we have life lessons? Did we learn from the, from the past? Before Christ, 
I think so. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in Christ. We learned the wrong direction we were in. I sure did. I learned a lot of horrible things that uh, I'm glad that I am over. But uh, there's things that I've done, things that I've learned that I can apply in my life now. That maybe I can assist others. And likewise, yourselves. But that desire to go back to, to mistakes shouldn't be there. We should be far beyond that. We should have learned our lessons. But what can we do to build our house with wisdom? Well, it has to do with establishing our walks, to guarding our households, doing, the, doing right by our households, by our walks, our, our day, the next day from the things we've learned in the past. We need to warn. We need to nurture. We need to shape our friends, our children, our spouses, each other, believers together. We need to build on wisdom. What have you learned and what have you learned that you can help your brother or sister, your children? There's parents all over the place telling their kids, listen, son, watch out for this. Listen, daughter, watch out for this. Because they've learned something and they want to guard them and so they're building their house with wisdom, something they've learned. With knowledge, with this knowledge that we have, understanding something and then applying it. We can know, we should know better. We now know better. So we should be able to build better. We should be able to build a better home. You may have come from a home that was chaotic, dysfunctional. And instead of living in it and allowing it to cause a new dysfunctional family, is we should learn from it. And with that wisdom saying, these are the things I will not do. These are the things that I will avoid. These are the things that have damaged me that I'm still scarred or wounded by that I will not pass on. And that's what we do. So building with wisdom is sort of like, what is it? Measuring twice, cutting once. There's a builder in there. All right, there's a builder here. Measure twice, right? That is right. I'm not a builder, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, measure once so you can cut twice. I don't know. More work, I don't know. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, measure twice, cut once, you know, and so we should learn from our mistakes. Matthew seven twenty four says this, everyone then who hears these words, Jesus is speaking, everyone who hears these words of mine does not, does, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. There's the wise person, built his house on the rock. Look at Matthew uh, seven twenty six. It says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So it's what are we learned and with what we've learned, are we applying it in our lives to our households so that the mistakes don't get repeated? You know, thinking of building, um, you know, we learn from our mistakes. You can learn from other people's mistakes. Um, you know, I think of drywall. You know, dry, I work, I've done some drywall work around the house, and I've learned a lot from my mistakes. I've learned a lot from YouTube. I've learned a lot of things going on. So my, dry, my drywall work is a little better now. But because I've learned, I'm not repeating the same things. I wasn't satisfied. Well, you know what? That's good enough. What's the phrase? Good enough for government work? I think that's right. And, you know, and then go on and keep doing that kind of work, and, as opposed to asking someone and saying, hey, listen, how do I keep it from looking like this? How do I, you know, apply it this way? And so you learn. We learn. And these passages here teach us 
We need to be grasping some understanding, some wisdom. Whether you've experienced it or not, there's a room full of wisdom right here, right now. If people, we've all had some experiences, past, good, bad, that would help your brother and sister to your left and to your right. So our lives or our house, households, they must be carefully built, carefully established. And you know what? I'll be the first one to say I've made mistakes. I think we've all made mistakes, and let's say as a parent. You know, when you're a parent, you're, you know, you're brand new, and you may have read books, and you may have talked to people, but then you have your own, and then you have to make decisions, and then you have to learn as you go, and it's difficult. It can be tough, but we learn from these things, and we would share the wisdom as we go on. So thinking about building a place, if you build something, and you start with the foundation, and it starts off crooked, well, then it'll always be crooked. That foundation is important. So... Look at Proverbs 25, 28. I put this one in here because last uh, week, I think it was last week, I was in Idaho. We talked about this verse. Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And of course, the cities back then, the wall was their first line of defense. It kept the enemy away. And so we look at this example, and <clears throat> the self-control, having self-control we lack self-control. We know the right thing to do for our families, for our walks, for our purity, whatever it may be, and we're not doing it. It's like leaving a door open in your house. It's like, it's like having locks, windows, locks on your windows, on your doors and gates, but not locking anything. And the enemy will just walk in. So we have to take advantage of, of service on Sunday. And what does the Lord have for me? How does he want me to change? What needs to be changed? And I need to have some self-control, discipline to apply these things. Proverbs 24, verse 4. Verse 4 is, is also important. This is the application of the knowledge. Appl applying this knowledge and this wisdom, getting it established. It goes on to say this. Well, let's, let's read from verse 3. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There's a beautiful picture right there that you might be living in right now. That might be a beautiful picture that you wish you had in your household right now or in your life. Look at some of these words, to be filled. These rooms are filled. Male means a fullness, abundance, to be accomplished, to satisfy. Precious, with all precious and pleasant riches. Precious is yakav, and it means uh, to be valuable, something that is highly valuable like jewelry, something precious, something you protect. For those of you that have jewelry, expensive items at home, you guard them. They're in a safe. They're kept safe. You protect them. You just don't leave them out hanging around. So here we, we're talking about some precious and pleasant riches. Pleasant, navim, is delightful, sweet, sweetly sounding, riches, hone, which is wealth, riches, substance. What I see here in this passage, and by knowledge, the rooms are filled and precious and pleasant with all pleasant and present. Precious and pleasant riches is a house filled with joy, with security, where Jesus reigns. When a home allows Jesus to reign, we have verse 4. The rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches, things we wouldn't want to give up. Here, take my jewelry, take it away. Take my joy from my family. Take this security from my marriage. We keep those things. We guard those things. They're valuable and they're pleasant. 
to come home to this after a long day of work. What joy that is. Oh, the joy, right? How blessed is that person that avoids the things of the world. Is there anyone else in this room that grew up and wanted to have a family like the Brady Bunch? My only one. There we go. Thank you. I would watch that show as a kid, and, and I would say, like, that's cool, man. I wish this was my household. A lot of us may be thinking, I wish this was my household. Verse 4. Filled with precious and pleasant riches. But when I get home today, it's chaos again. It's the issues again. And that's why we have the Lord. This is our goal. Yeah, you know, I remember when I was a little guy, I don't know how little, and I was reading a little book, and it would say something like, you know, little Jane and whatever, Ralph or whatever it is, and they're playing and they're doing things. It was like cool little kid books. And there was one part that it said, you know, and then little Johnny and so-and-so, mommy said, it's playtime. And uh, it's playtime, and then they're playing with little puppies in the book, and I thought, oh, this is so cool. Look at this family. Look at this family. Mommy's saying it's playtime, and then the kids bring out the little puppies, and they're playing. How sweet. I remember walking to my mom as a little guy and saying, bringing that up to my mom. I says, hey, mom, you know what we should do? Uh, <laughs> I said, mom, we, we, should, have, we should have a playtime. You know, and, and I'm thinking of this book and this joy, this Brady Bunch mentality. And she said, como que playtime? She says, what do you mean playtime? Playtime's after you're done cleaning your room. That's playtime. <laughs> like, okay, that's real. That's real life, right? But the book just brought out this desire to have family time, to have joy, pleasant riches. And, uh, yeah, and praise the Lord, but my mom, you know, put me straight. And that's right, I got to get my room clean. But that's, I was just craving that. And many of us might be craving that today, to have a home that has joy, security, and that comes with applying wisdom, godly wisdom in your home. The sound of peace in the household, it can't be beat. Marital bliss, children behaving, having a clean conscience. There's this joy in that, it can't be beat. That word there that has to do with the rooms being filled. You know, in Philippians 4.19, it says, Paul writes, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That word supply or fool or to be filled is pleiro'u in the Greek. It means to make full, to fill up to the brim all the way. Just a, You ever fill up a cup and you don't overflow it, but it's right at the top and any little movement will cause it to overflow? That's what that word is describing. In Philippians 4.19, in the Amplified Version, it says it this way. And my God will liberally supply, fill until full, your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's, it's in Christ that we find this hope, this satisfaction, this joy for our lives, peace, purity in our lives, and security in the home. It's in Christ. Amen? Proverbs 24, verse 5. Verse 5, we go on, and it, uh, here's another wise, some wise words. And in here, verse 5, we see that wisdom makes us strong. We want to be strong in the Lord. We want to be strong leaders for our friends, our families, when we come to church. Wisdom makes us strong. Verse 5, a wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases power. That's who we want to be. This, I want to describe me. The verse, or in verse 5 right there, the, the word man, it describes in the original language a champion, 
a hero, a warrior. Verse 5, a wise man, a wise man is strong, a champion. A man of knowledge increases power. He's a warrior. He's a hero. That's who we want to be. That's the person that we want to be described as, a strong man. This word, it, the emphasis is his ability to fight, to literally fight, to wrestle. When I see this, it, it, it jumps off to me and says, like, you know what? And we don't want to be people that go around brawling and fighting, but our spirit should be one that is able to spiritually fight, to spiritually brawl, to stand uh, fast for our families, for our faith. This should describe us. This is a goal. This word strong, which is oz, it means might, strength, to be strong, to prevail. This, this, this passage is powerful. This verse is incredible. The word knowledge here, knowledge increases power. Your perception, it speaks of skill, discernment, understanding, wisdom. We can't just go out in this world and think, you know, I, I'll, I got this, I can handle this. We have to have discernment, understanding and wisdom from the Lord. It's from the Lord that will guard us, that will make us strong, that will make us warriors in this world that is doing nothing else but going to war with us. It's going to war against our, our values, Christian values, godly behavior, and we need to be strong so that we don't give in, we don't lose the fight, we put up a fight. Wisdom, when we see wisdom, and especially in this verse here, you should think of strength, strong. I need to embrace wisdom. Proverbs 14, 26 uses the word strong. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. If you are a parent, you want to be strong. You want your children to be able to see it. You don't have to tell them because they'll see that you're strong in the Lord. They'll see that you make decisions based on what the Lord would have you do so that you are found in Lord's will. Proverbs 18.10 says this with that word strong. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Strong. The word safe here, the righteous run into it and is safe. It's a very descriptive word. It's sagav. And it means to be set on high, inaccessibly high, securely on high. We run to the Lord and he protects us. He is our strong tower. And when we run to him, it's like picking up a child, running from a, a wild dog, let's say, and you get the dog and you're like, whoa, and you're up high and you're safe. That's what the Lord does for us. He is strong. Too high for capture, that word means. He places us up on high. The strong believer, the strong mother, the strong father provides spiritual refuge for their children, for their friends, for one another. I want to be able to go to my brother, to my sister, wherever I'm sharing something, and that they provide a refuge, a spiritual refuge, and say, you know, the, the word says this. I think the Lord might have this for you, but that you have this and you're placed inaccessibly high, securely on high, too high for capture, 
so the enemy can't attack. Proverbs 27.14 says this, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And Psalm 31.24 says, Be strong, and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. There's that word strong. That, that word strong, hazak, means in these two verses, wait for the Lord, be strong, be strong and let your heart take courage. Well, we, we're seeing uh, adversity. It's like someone saying, hey, be strong. Not just like act strong right there and, and just play the part. This word strong, hazak, means to become strong, grow strong, to be able to withstand, to hold strong. So it's a process. I'm a believer, so I should be strong. I'm a believer, and I'm going to become strong and stronger as I face adversity. If I respond to adversity by running to the Lord as a strong tower, then I will become strong. Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13 says this. I'll, I'll read this verse for you. I know, Paul writes, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Him, Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens, that word is endunamoa. Oh, endumamoa. <laughs> And it means to make strong, to become stronger. What we see here is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, strengthens me like by the things in verse 12. By being in need, by facing adversity, I become strong. If I respond properly and run to the Lord, I will become stronger. It's a process. And so we know that Paul, clearly, Paul went through this process in many ways. In fact, let me read this passage to you. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. says, Paul, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Verse 10. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties, in behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I am strong. So, what does a strong believer look like? It's a person who trusts the Lord. Someone who's trusting God. You see patience in that person. They recognize the Lord as their strong tower, a place of ref refuge. It's one who acknowledges their weaknesses, because we can only be strong when we acknowledge that we're weak without him. It's one who draws strength from the Lord ultimately. That's who we want to be. That's who I'm, I'm hoping these passages or these verses, these words of wisdom, these sayings empower us. By the power of the Spirit that we see these things, much like some of the phrases I mentioned in the beginning, early bird gets the worm, and well, that's true, wake up early and you'll be ahead of the game. Yeah, all those things are true. But how true are these when it comes to our spiritual growth? Proverbs 24.6. Proverbs 24.6, and this one shows us, teaches us, reveals to us 
that wisdom means we are never alone. Or wisdom means that we should never be alone. It says this, For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. For by wise guidance you will wage war. Got to be strong if you're going to wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory to be had. There is victory. We need to surround ourselves with mature believers who also acknowledge their weaknesses. Not mature because I'm strong. Mature because they're, hey, I'm weak without the Lord. I'm only strong in his strength. Someone that relies on the Lord's strength. Those are the people that should be surrounded because if we're constantly around people that, that, that uh, are not strong, they're going to pull you down. They're going to weigh heavy on you. We need to have an abundance of counselors to have victory. Proverbs 27, 17. All you guys know this verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Usually it says one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person sharpens another. We need to, with this verse, verse 6, grasp the understanding of fellowship, the importance of fellowship. Well, I go to church when I can, uh, when I'm not tired, when the sermon's not too long, uh, whatever the case might be, we need to understand the importance of being here today. We need to know the importance of fellowship, not just simply being home and reading your Bible and praying, and that's good, but I mean being around brothers and sisters where the fellowship gives us victory, such as Proverbs 24, 6. We need to ask ourselves this question. Where is my source of wise guidance? Where do I get my wise guidance from? Prayer, scriptures, the pastor, Sunday morning services. Okay, but beyond that, beyond that, then I'll give you a minute to think about it. Well, I'll give you 10 seconds. Think about where am I getting my wise counsel. Think about that. Is it Sunday service, Bible study, women's group, men's retreats, women's retreats? Yes, of course. But take advantage of them when you're at Sunday service because there's a lot of counselors here, a lot of wisdom in this room. The men's retreat, you don't have to, well, you usually don't go to bed early and there's all the guys to talk with to find out what I can do better, how I can be more like this guy. That marriage over there, I just admire that marriage, I want to be like that. I need to talk to that guy. All this wisdom that goes around. Proverbs 15.22. Proverbs 15.22 says this. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Hey, I'm going to get married. Oh, yeah? Yeah, next week. Hold, hold on. Who have you talked to? What do you know about marriage? I, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need any advice. I got this. Okay, let me read this verse to you. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. I'm going to do some drywall work at home. I saw my neighbor do it across the street from my binoculars. I got this. Or am I going to talk to a brother that knows what he's doing? Am I going to get on YouTube and find out what you don't want to do? You want to have advice because without it, plans can go wrong. You know, men's, men's group, we have, do we have it this week? No, it's next week. Men's group, 
when we have men's discipleship, one thing I love, and I think it's key to take advantage, like here, we're, you know, there's preaching going on, you're listening, and it's not a time for questions and whatever, but like a men's group is, Bible studies are, and I love to take advantage of the, the men's discipleship group and make them interactive. Make them interactive studies where the guys are sharing and talking because there's a wealth of wisdom in that room. And I don't want them to just hear me talk. I want to hear that brother talk, that guy, and this guy. There's an abundance of wisdom to be had. I once did a message in a men's retreat from, a, I've heard from a pastor make this point, and it had to do with the three men that you need in your life. You need a Paul, you need a Timothy, and a Barnabas. Because you're, they're well-rounded. You have Paul, obviously we know Paul, the man of wisdom. Timothy, someone who's like our peer, someone that we can raise up and train and be an example to. And then you have Barnabas, that guy that's going to look you in the face and tell you when you're wrong. That guy that's going to give you some rebuke when you need it. So the importance of, of, of verse 6, for by wise guidance you will wage war and in abundance of counselors there is victory. We need to wage war. We need to be strong. Christians should not be weak. Christians should be spiritually strong fighters. We need to do something. Everybody, men, women, believers, we need to get up. We need to get off the spiritual couch and fight. We need to get in the fight. We need to get some spiritual training. We need to be ready to wage war because victory awaits when you battle. To wage war, what we don't want is, you know, the old thing is, oh, I'm, I'm in, a fight's going to take place, and who, what are you going to do? Who, you and what army? You know, because we need an army. If you're going to go to war, you need an army. I'm not going to go to battle alone. I'm going to go to battle with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to go into battle filled with the Spirit of God, number one, and my brothers and sisters. Because I want victory. I can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. Proverbs 24, verse 7. Let's move on to verse 7. And this verse right here, it tells us this, or it teaches me this, that being a wise guy is a good thing. Being a wise guy is a good thing. Verse 7, wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Too exalted for a fool. You see, there's a lot of people that don't want wisdom. They don't want advice. They don't want to, be, to hear what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. You know the people, the know-it-all. The person you can't get a word in because they know it all. They got all the answers. Also known as a teenager. All the teenagers say, oh, okay, come on. I mean, not all teenagers, but it happens around that age, right? They know it all. They know everything. But, but not only that, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking, and I'm not, but there's that, there's ultimately the bottom line is pride. When we become too prideful, I don't need help. I don't need advice. But as we grow as believers, we realize I need advice. I need help. I need help in my marriage. I need help raising my children. I need help just being focused on the Lord. All these things. People have all these thoughts, all these needs. Wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Proverbs 14, 6 says this. A mocker seeks wisdom 
and never finds it. But knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. You see, we understand something that we need God. And when you understand that we are weak, when we understand I'm weak, I need the Lord. When I understand that, then knowledge is going to come easily to me. In other words, I'm going to be surrendered to the Lord and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to the drawing of, of the Lord, to make right decisions. Not always right. We're not perfect, but a lot better than if I'm thinking that I don't need help. Seeks, that word bakash, it means to seek, to require, to desire, to find. But mockers seek wisdom. They desire it too, but they don't find it because they look within. They don't look towards the Lord. They don't look and learn from their mistakes. Proverbs 14.7 says this, Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. That's pretty straightforward. Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. You see, a fool is out of his element when it comes to the Word of God. But the, the, the Word of God can change them from being a fool to a wise guy. What is this about the gate? Well, the gate is, speaking of this, in the communities, biblical times, in the Bible times, at the gate is, was a place where they had markets, where legal proceedings took place, where decisions were made for the community, where cases, where uh, conflicts were brought to the elders, and they would make a decision, they would, they would carry out judgments, um, issues of the community were decided. So these elders who sat at the gate made all these decisions. And it was honorable to be at that gate. It took a person who had wisdom, not a fool, but somebody that is going to be fair and balanced and make the right decisions for the community. So this is what it's speaking of. Wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. He's not qualified to sit and make decisions. We, for our own lives, for our households, we need to be this kind of material. We need to be able to make wise decisions for our homes, for our lives. We need to be qualified, and that's being wise, a wise guy, and not foolish. You know, wise guys are, listen up, single ladies, wise guys are marriage material. Those are the guys. Look at Proverbs 31, verse 23. Proverbs 31, about the virtuous woman. It speaks about all that she does, everything, and it has a list, and it goes on and on, and she's incredible, this woman. In verse 23, it says, out of the blue, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Out of nowhere, that verse just jumps out, talking about the woman, and she's this, and she does this, she provides this, she's strong, she's wise. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He's gate material. This guy is out of nowhere. We guys, we want to be that man. We want to be that person that has wisdom, that can balance out the things of life. And it doesn't mean that you have to be an elder. It doesn't mean that you have to be a person in some position to make decisions. Spiritually speaking, a wise man, a wise guy not the fool. That's the guy that that you young ladies should be looking for. You single ladies should be looking for. Someone who has profound wisdom, insights. The gate was no place for a fool. 
You know, when, you, when you're looking for a guy and you're thinking, well, I want that guy with wisdom. Well, you know what? It has good insights. You know, he might be the, not, okay, the funniest guy in the room, the best-looking guy in the room. But you want to say, like, who's the wisest guy in the room? And good-looking, I guess, right? Okay, but wise, wisdom, because that would be the guy you marry. That's the guy you make decisions with. So... Let's move on. Okay, yeah. Proverbs 24, verse 8 and 9. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. Again, we need to guard ourselves from such people. We need to keep distance. We need to, yeah, we need to minister to them, get them saved, share the love of Christ. But for our safeguarding, we need to guard ourselves from them. When I look at this passage or these two verses, I think of it describing myself, ourselves before Christ. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. When I look at these two verses, I think of who we were before Christ and we a man of wisdom cringes at the person they used to be. A Christian should cringe at who we were. We should want nothing to do with the past. We don't want to resemble that guy because he's an abomination. We want nothing of those practices that we used to have. Wisdom in this verse to me, verse 8 and 9, wisdom says goodbye to the fool, the foolish ways of living. The fool I used to be. These verses describe that person and it just, when you're looking at this wisdom after wisdom and then this guy, I want nothing to do with this in my life. I don't want to be this guy anymore. And you know what? Um, uh, last night I was listening to this song and really all morning and, and uh, you know, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Remember that song? I'm so glad Jesus set me free. And I'm listening to this and I'm rejoicing and thinking, I am so glad. I really am that he set me free. It goes on to say that Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. And I think of the joys of what we have, salvation that we have, and we think of before Christ, the contrast should shout at us. It should cause us to cringe when we think of the past. But you know, I want to say this as a note, is don't allow your past to define you. Don't allow, let's not allow our past to define us or hinder us. It can greatly hinder our ministry. It can greatly cloud who we really are in Christ because we're so focused on what we did. We may be ashamed of what we came from. And it just causes nothing but hurdles in our walk, in, our, in the race for, in life. It can be discouraging but don't allow the past. Think of this. Imagine your child always being insecure or always feeling unworthy with their head hanging. Or or you would be like, you know what, snap out of it. You know what? Um, You want to encourage them. You want to build them up. And that's what the Lord has for us. Yeah, you know what? That was an ugly past, but this is who you are now. We need to be that person and have wisdom, operate, live in that wisdom. That's why we cringe of the past But don't live in the past. Don't let it label you and hinder you. And a few verses here for encouragement to understand, to be glad that Jesus set us free and to walk in that victory. 1 John 1, 9, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is you. You are new. Don't let the enemy put in your mind that, yeah, but people aren't going to accept you because of what you used to do, what you used to be. That's, that's the past. And if God doesn't hold it against you, then you have nothing, no reason to hang on to that and allow it to hinder you. Romans 10, 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, therefore, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We have victory in Christ. We are to be strong in the Lord. We should walk in victory, in humble victory. You know, our our little dog, Sophie, she has what's, and I'm probably going to get this all wrong, is uh, what's called Addison's disease. Some of you might know it. It has to do with the adrenaline, whatever. And so she's constantly depressed. You know, she'll go into these little episodes and I'll tell you, um, I haven't talked so silly since my kids were little babies to this little dog. Sophie, and I try to encourage her and build her up and make her happy, excited, you know, give her whatever she wants to eat if she'll eat. And, 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 and because I'm so sad that she's sad and she's having an episode. And I'm trying to tell her, look, uh, there's food. You, you want a biscuit? Want to go for a walk? I'm trying to encourage. And, you know, we don't want to be like Sophie. We don't want to be like, oh, but this and that and this. She can't help it, but we can. If we dwell on the past, we're going to be like Sophie. If we focus on where we are and who we stand before Christ right now, you'll have victory. You'll have joy, a desire to go forward. You'll have a hope. You'll have a hope. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Listen to that. If you slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. You see, this verse tells me that continuing in wisdom keeps us ready. It keeps us prepared. Continuing in wisdom. You don't grasp wisdom and say, I got it. You apply it. You live it. You walk it. And it'll keep you ready. It'll keep you prepared. That word slack, rafa, means to relax, withdraw, to be idle. If you're idle in the day of distress, the word distress is sarah, and it means trouble. If you take it easy and relax when trouble comes, your strength is limited. You're in trouble. If you're not ready when trouble hits, you're in trouble. We must be prepared for the days of distress. Otherwise, you're basically weak under trial, weak under pressure. Jeremiah 12.5 says this, If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, how then can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of Jordan when things get tough? When we become complacent, we're unprepared. When we are unprepared, that is a recipe for disaster to your faith because trouble is coming. You may be in trouble now. You may be having disastrous results right now. Because maybe you weren't ready. Maybe you weren't walking and applying wisdom. And now you're not strong. Your strength is limited. 
It's been said that strength is not measured in good times, but in bad. You want to know how strong you are? Go to the gym. You'll find out how much you can lift. You want to find out how strong you are spiritually? You'll see when trouble hits. You'll see when trials come. You'll know by the the direction you run. Whether you run, yes, away from trouble, but to someone other than the Lord. You'll know how strong you are. Limited, that word, which is tsar, it means narrow, tight. It means narrow. It means to, and it's rooted in a word that has to do with bind, to make narrow, to be bound. So if I'm not ready, when trouble hits, my strength is limited, I'm bound. Imagine getting in a fight and then someone says, oh, but we're going to put a band around your shoulders and this is, go ahead, fight. You know, some of you might be able to do something with this. But imagine your hands tied behind your back. You're limited. The fight that you're going to have, the beating you're going to take. You know, I see this and I think my strength is limited to be narrow, to be bound. I I think of tunnel vision. Have you ever had tunnel vision? Ever had tunnel vision? Like when you faint? Ever had that tunnel vision? Carol's nodding her head. Carol is a fainter. (laughs) Why do I laugh? I guess, <laughs> whoops, I guess you had to have been there. <laughs> okay, backtrack. Um, I'm going to change, she's giving me that look. Um, but trouble, narrow, like tunnel vision, um, being prepared. You have to be prepared uh, under trial, under stress. I was sharing at, in Idaho, I think it was, um, when Jonathan was, Johnny was a little guy, and he's no longer a little guy, he's a big guy, but I used to wrestle with him used to wrestle with him. And we used, I used to wrestle with this guy and Johnny and I'd put him down and everything. And it was just fun, but fun. But I would do it with a purpose. I would do it to stress him out. I would do it so that he would be in a point where like, what do I do next? Now what do I do? What do I do now? So that he would have, uh, I would take him to that limit where he's going to get angry, but still be in control. Where he's going to be stressed, but still be in control. And it was kind of fun but, you know, you have to stop. But then you see so that they don't develop tunnel vision and freak out. But they realize, what else can I do? What are my options here? And so I see this verse. If you slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. How strong are you? You'll find out when trouble hits. You'll find out when we get to that point. But it's just like uh, uh, the athlete the athlete who whines about practices being too long, about the too repetitive, trying to learn plays over and over, and he's too tired, and he's not practicing, he's not prepared. When game time comes, he's going to choke under pressure because he didn't learn the play. He didn't know, be able to do it with his eyes closed because of the lack of pressure. You know, So that's important to find out how strong you are. You know, I think of, of Johnny right now, and Johnny... Uh, um, being in, in the academy with all that stress, what, they, the, the, what they're trying to do to him when he's trying to uh, uh, inspections and, and make decisions and place shots while they're yelling at him, talking to him and, 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 and criticizing him, answer questions, putting him under stress so that when he is under real stress, he will have the ability to handle it. And so with life has all types of stresses for us. They're all there, and they're all lessons, and they're all opportunities for us to be prepared. 
instead of running and trying to figure it out on our own, running to the Lord for strength, and he'll deliver us. Verse 11, Proverbs 24, 11. Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. Now, this word deliver means to snatch away, to rescue, to save. Now, the context here that we see, it has to do with evangelism, having to, to share the gospel, to save people that aren't are believers, the world. But also, we look at this and we should look at our households. We should look at our, our spouse, perhaps, our children, your parents. How can this apply to me is those who are being taken away to death, that we are responsible, that we are wise enough to do whatever it is that the Lord would lead us for their salvation, to minister to them. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And the word provide, which is pronoeo, it means to perceive beforehand, to think beforehand, to think, take thought for in advance. So when I see this, the, having this household, uh, applying wisdom, it's looking in advance, looking in the future, and preparing yourself to avoid stumbling, to preparing your household so that they avoid drama, stumbling, sin. It's someone who is taking advantage, taking initiative to protect, to be a strong tower for your home. So this verse here, verse 11, the, that evangelism behind it has to do with the world, but we can apply this to our lives, to our households. Worse than an unbeliever, for someone who is not providing for their household, who is not thinking in advance, how can I guard my, my, uh, my children? So it's not just being providers for today, but for the future. Train up a child in the way you should go. All these principles we need to grasp and own, and that is a wise person. Psalm 82, verse 3 and 4, reads this way. Vindicate the weak and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. And when we see this, we can look around even in the church. We can look around in the church, your neighborhoods, maybe in your own family, children who don't have parents, don't have a father, don't have a mother, people that we can reach out to, people that we should be reaching out to, people that maybe have parents but are absent because maybe they're not believers, maybe they're not involved. And that this verse, 11, it is wise for us to take advantage of this. In fact, not only investing in your, families, in your families, but families here. And there's that opportunity for children's church, right? An opportunity to minister to young people. I can't tell you how incredible it is, the joy it is, to minister with children in the church, and like now, and see them as young men, young women. To know that you were part of teaching them scriptures, ministering to them in class. What an opportunity to for uh, Proverbs 24, 11. Look at verse 12. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts and does he not know it who keeps your soul and will he not render to man according to his work? You see, in other words, we know better 
We know where the needs are, and are we responding to those needs? There are no excuses. We know the people that are hurting, whether in our own households, whether in this fellowship, whether in your community. James 4.17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That same verse also says uh, in the NASB, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. There is no excuse. If you know the right thing to be doing in your life, you know the right thing that's going to help reconcile that marriage, you know the right thing that's going to mend uh, relationships with your brothers, sisters, friends, family, and you're not doing it, it is sin because you know. So we need to continually examine our lives, consider, uh, continually examine the things that we're doing. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every person's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord examines the hearts. So it's wise for us to examine our own motives, to understand why, we do, why we're doing the things that we, we do. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 13 and 14. My son... Eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Beautiful passage. Beautiful scriptures right here. My son, eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom. And so know this. Here's the second part of this wise saying. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. It's good for your soul. How can we not look at wisdom? How can we look at wisdom and not apply it or, or, or grab it, own it, find it? If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Honey is good, right? Honey is good. And, you know, likewise, for your soul is wisdom. You know, we're real, always careful. There's people that have certain dietary restrictions or for whatever reasons. Um, you're gluten-free. You're, you're, you're no sugar you have food allergies. You're real careful about counting your calories and on and on. How much so when it comes to spiritual food should we be on, on, on target, right? What do I need to know? How do I make this relationship better? Why do I struggle with trusting the Lord? And all these things we need to take serious just like you would your diet. But you're careful what you put in your body. Be careful what you put in your heart. Amen? Proverbs 4, 5 says this. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. In other words, wise up. Get smart. Get a clue. Stop being a fool. Wise up. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Proverbs, I mean, I'm sorry. Psalm 19 9 says this, reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of honey. <laughs> it, yeah, I know, right? Here I am. Oh, honey is like the word. And then I'm not, I don't like honey. But I, I, I just, you know why? It's not sweet enough. <laughs> crazy but oh uh, yeah here's the weird thing is yeah yeah i know it i should i've i've been ruined by like hostess cupcakes and stuff like that yeah it's horrible horrible i can sit here all day and tell you about it i need wisdom 
<laughs> in this area. But so, so you know, but I, I, I know what it's saying. You know, for me, it means, hey, Steve, it's sweeter than those hostess zingers you love. That's what that verse tells me. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, the word of God. It's like zingers. It's like hostess cupcakes. You know, if you find it, if you find it. You know, I know where to find hostess cupcakes. I know where to find zingers. I know which stores stock them. I know when they stock them. That's how bad it is. But that's the way we should be with the word of God. Where is that verse? I know that verse. Even if you just know, it's a proverb. I know that. I know Jesus said that. I don't know exactly where it is. Like the way I know exactly where to find all the hostess in the stores. It's, I know where it is in my Bible. You know, there's certain times, I, this isn't my, my go-to Bible. But I have my other Bible where I, I know where that scripture is on what side of the page. I almost know what color I highlighted it in because it just is an impactful, profound verse. And so I know where it is. Well, that's in the second page, left, lower column because it means that much to me. Likewise, the word of God should mean that much to us, more than the zingers, more than honey, because it is good for us. Amen. Last thing I want to mention in Proverbs 24, 14. To have wisdom is to have hope. Know that wisdom, it says, know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future. Your hope will not be cut off. Your hope, tikva, or tikva, it means hope, it means expectation. To have hope, to have expectation. It's rooted in a word um, uh, to wait, kava, to wait, to look eagerly for, but expect. So you're looking eagerly because you're expecting something, not hoping like throwing the dice and hoping chance. It's hope with expectation that he will deliver. So in Psalm 27, 14, that word wait for the Lord, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. That same verse in the Amplified says, wait, it says it better, wait and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. You see, we have a future. You might be living in a tough situation. You may be in the middle and you just, it's not ending, but you have hope. You can have hope by surrendering to the Lord, Applying wisdom from the scriptures, seeking God, allowing him to be your strong tower, and your hope will not be cut off. Don't give up hope because the Lord has it for us. There's victory awaiting us. There's a war to be fought, and you don't do it alone. We do it together by the power of the Spirit, and we can have victory. We have a future. We have a hope. Our hope will not be cut off. That word cut off, karath, it means to cut off a body part. It means to behead. It means to perish, to eliminate something. It is graphic. And it's graphic to, in, in two ways that we should see this, that our hope will not be severed. Our hope will not be beheaded. It will not be cut off. We have a future. And let me just end with this verse here. These two verses. In Proverbs 23, 17 and 18, backing up Proverbs 23. Do not let your heart envy sinners, 
but live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. The Amplified Version says it like this, very impactful. Do not let your heart envy sinners who live godly lives and have no hope of salvation, but continue to live in the, in the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord day by day. Surely there is a future and a reward and your hope and expectation will not be cut off. I end with this passage because of the hope and perhaps my hope of the fear that that would put into someone who is living foolishly. Because that part where it says in the Amplified, who live godless lives and have no hope of salvation, you can have a hope of salvation if you stop living for the for the devil. If you stop and start living for Christ, you have hope. You too will have a future. It'll require you to surrender your life. It'll require you to recognize that the Lord is our strong tower. I am nothing. I need him. He is everything. He will give me wisdom. He will give me power by the Holy Spirit to have a victorious life. And so for us and anybody listening, my prayer is this that we grasp these words of wisdom, that we apply them to our lives, that we don't give up, that we realize, you know, I've been acting weak. I've been a crybaby. I need to be strong. And the Lord will give me that strength. I need to be strong in God. And I know that strength is available. There's a promise of victory for me. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to put pride aside, surrender, and allow God to make me a fighter, strong, ready to battle. So when the trouble happens, I will be able to put up a fight and I will have victory because I follow Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our hearts and seek the Lord. Lord, I pray this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your precious words. I thank you, Lord, that they are like honey. They are sweet. They are sweet to us. They are good for us. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that. For those listening that are believers, that trust in you, that know that you are our strong tower, Lord, I pray that they would not get complacent. I pray, Lord, that they would know that complacency is a way of recipe for disaster, that they would recognize that I have wisdom and I need to live it out. I need to continue in it so that I become strong and stronger, so that I become stronger, that I grow stronger because trials come temptations come. The enemy is not a dummy. He knows what will tempt us. And Lord, I pray that all of us would recognize wisdom so that we're ready for the day of battle. For those, Lord, that are listening, that are hearing, and that are living lives foolishly. And Lord, I say that with love. I say that with respect, Lord, because you love them. You care for them. You want them to, to turn from foolishness and understand your wisdom, and turn to salvation. Lord, I pray for those that are living lives that are in a vicious circle of chaos, that you would change their lives, that they would change their lives by surrendering to you, and they would recognize you. They would understand who you are. They would surrender and have victory as well. Lord, we pray these things as we pass out communion. Lord, I pray that we would contemplate the things that you have placed on our hearts this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.